in Acts, which we're going to be talking about this morning, does place a great importance on dreams. But last night, this is a true story, I had a dream. I dreamed that I met the new preacher at Taylor Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it was, I was in the office, uh, and I walked in, and I shook hands with the guy, and he says, hey, I'm the new preacher. And Lance, you were there. Um, you were actually carrying out my boxes out of my office. You had the biggest smile on your face. <laughs> so I don't know if that means anything. For some of you, that truly is a dream. For me, it's a nightmare. But thankfully, for at least the next 25 minutes or so, it's not a reality. Uh, we're going to spend just a little bit of time in Acts. How many of you know what they yell before they start a scene to a movie? You remember they have the clipboard and they yell what? Action. That's exactly how the book of Acts starts out. We're going to be in chapter 4, but I want to give you just a little a brief uh, leading up to what's going to take place in there. Acts chapter 1 uh, opens up. There's the 11 apostles. Uh, Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, and before he does so, he says, but you will, be, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. Okay, right now we have, that is like the theme of Acts right there. Acts 1 verse 8. He's going to ascend uh, and chapter 1 is going to end uh, with them casting lots, the apostles casting lots to replace Judas. Uh, it's either Matthias or it's a guy whose name is Joseph, who's also also named uh, Bersabbas, who's also named Justice. And I don't know if Matthias was chosen because he had fewer names, but the lot was cast and he was the one who would replace him. Acts chapter 2 opens up and we're going to have Pentecost. Pentecost is going to be 10 days later after Jesus ascended. How do we know this? Well, Pentecost means what? Anybody knows what Penta means? It means 50. It is 50 days uh, after they've had the Passover. Well, how do we figure out the 10 within that? Jesus remained on earth for 40 days. He leaves. Pentecost is 50 days, so we can deduce from that that it's 10 days later. It's there that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon the apostles. And we know this because it is recorded in Acts that there's these, these uh, fire that's resting over the heads, and they begin speaking in tongues, which, as we know, was in different languages. Because people all over the world were there, and they were hearing these, and they're like, how can we understand these people? And they reason that, hey, these guys have had too much wine. That's, this is here. This is a part of Acts. It's a great book. So they stand up. Peter stands up and says, hey, I want you to know that we aren't drunk. It's nine in the morning. And he begins to tell them the story. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all my people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. 
Peter's going to go on to say, hey, listen, remember David? He died. So did Jesus. But Jesus, the one that you crucified, came back to life. And they were cut to the hearts and they said, what should we do? What must we do? And then we have Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is important for us today. It says the promise is for you, those there, and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And that's for each one of us. That, that is when we are called, we get to be a part of this. That day, 3,000 became Christians. Uh, and it closes out chapter 2 that they met uh, together daily and they broke bread. Acts chapter 3. It opens up, Peter sees a beggar who was lame. The man was asking for money, and Peter comes up to him, and he says, look at us. And so he turns his attention to them, because he was expecting that he would get something from him. Then Peter said, silver or, or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Walk, And so Peter reaches down to pick him up, and as he starts to reach, the man regains strength in his legs. And not only does he stand up, he jumps up. It is just crazy. And listen to this. It says, it says Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I mean... Talk about making a scene. People recognized him, who he was. In fact, later on we're going to find out that he's been lame for 40 years. Do you want to stir something up uh, in the temple? You have a lame man for 40 years come and run and jump through the place and praising God. That will get people's attention. It would be like if, if, if I jumped up and, and touched that projector. Or, or if I got into an arm wrestling match with Brian Fleming and I beat him. Okay? Or if I could preach a sermon less than 20 minutes. Okay, I mean, it was just like, everybody's like, whoa, this is crazy. What actually is going on? It got their attention. And the people, they were astonished because they recognized the ex-lame man. And then Peter jumped on the opportunity. He said, you handed Jesus over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though they had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer to be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Listen, I mean, there's no honey here. I mean, it is all vinegar. Uh, Peter was going after them. I mean, and, and it was crazy is this is how it ends chapter 3. It's basically one of those mic drops. He says, look what you did. You killed the author of life. He could have been set free, but instead you begged to have him killed and had a murder released instead. And then we begin Acts chapter 4. I know you thought we wouldn't get there this morning, but we're here. There's a large amount of text in here. And the only thing I know to do is to read it. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 1. Or open up your, 
your Bible app on your phone and follow along with me. We're going to be reading, and I'll, I'll stop here and there, and we'll, we'll comment and then go on. Starting in verse 1, Acts chapter 4. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sanhedrin came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the, the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men that day grew to about 5,000. So he stands up in front of them and he's speaking and he's talking about the resurrection. Not only the resurrection of Jesus, but also the resurrection of the dead for all who believe in Jesus Christ. And this really, I don't even want to say ruffled the feathers. It made, made them mad. They were furious. What are we going to do about them? And they decide, well, we don't know yet, but let's throw them in jail for now. But I love what happens next. They're in jail, and what begins to happen to Christianity? is next verse say, people were afraid, and they said, you know what? We're not going to go do this. Let's follow something else. No, even amid the persecution... When things got bad, when the government was against them, when, when they're not supposed to be talking about Jesus in public, that's when the, the gospel really began to spread. Maybe that's something to think about for our day as well. Maybe opposition, persecution, maybe not being allowed to speak so freely about Jesus is something that will help the church continue to grow more and more. Let's continue on in verse 5. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Referring to the healing of the lame man. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders reject, rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men which we must be saved. I mean, there, there's no beating around the bush for Peter. He says, listen, the one you rejected, you thought you were the builders and you said, we don't need him. God said, this is the capstone. This is the most important piece. And you completely left it out. This is Jesus you don't want us to speak about him. You don't want us to talk about him. But his power is clearly evident. And if you can't tell, look to stage right. The lame guy standing up. 
But Peter is not done yet. But listen to the commentary on this. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men not to speak. We must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them back. That's a great plan, isn't it? (laughs) I just laugh at that. Verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's eyes to obey you rather than God. So they say, okay, we've got to stop this. This is getting out of hand. Like We know we can't match the power, and it's really embarrassing that in the name of Jesus, they were able to heal somebody. Like, heaven forbid that somebody get healed. Like, we have to stop this. Like, how many people are clamoring? It's like, you know, if we could somehow cure cancer, people stand up, no, no, we can't do that. I, I want to be the one in control. I mean, it was silly, it was ludicrous, but here they were, they were trying to stop them and say, you can't do this anymore. Wow. Not a whole lot of authority coming from them, is there? What's Peter and John going to do? I mean, they're being told by by the priest, by the rulers, by the elders, you don't talk anymore. No more. You're not allowed to. And what does Peter say? He says, well, you know what? Who do you think I should listen to? You think I should follow God, the one who through his spirit has given me power to heal someone who was lame for 40 years? Or should I listen to you who's saying, oh, that's not really a good thing. We don't want you doing that kind of stuff around here. Not really a tough decision. So as we pick up in verse 20, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. That reminds me of Jeremiah chapter 20, this fire in his bones that he just can't hold it in. After further threats, after further threats, I don't get it. I don't know what they think they can say over a group of people who've just healed a, a lame man, but they're still going to threaten them like, you better not do it, or, or you better not do it. So they made these threats over and again. After uh, further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So they didn't know what they could do. Well, I guess the ball is now in the court of Peter and John 
and the other followers. As we pick up in verse 22. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They're acknowledging that the power and the authority resides not in a council, not in a group of men, but instead it would reside in God. Remember, they had been in prison the night before. They had been scorned, scolded, and threatened not to talk about Jesus anymore. And yet we find them going back and the response is they praise God and they call Him the Sovereign Lord. They said, you made the heavens and earth and they conspired, although they really only did what you had decided beforehand to do. So who should we follow? Let's pick up, we're going to skip a few verses and go down to verse 29. Now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Then they prayed and the meeting place and the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. God had answered them. They called out to Him. And God was there with them. And so I want to close out with the last few verses of Acts chapter 4. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one, claimed that any, no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So this is where we're introduced to Barnabas, and this is basically going to segue, uh, cue the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who they're going to try something similar, but not exactly the same, but we don't have time for Acts chapter 5 today. But there's just three big takeaways that I want us to get from Acts chapter 4. The first one is found in verse 13. It's when Peter is speaking and they realize that they're ordinary unschooled men, but they say they recognize that these men had been with Jesus. I think a big takeaway from Acts chapter 4 for us this morning is the fact that we are called to be with Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. 
they were filled with the Holy Spirit and energized, and they were given power through Jesus. But if you separate them out, they're nothing. If we don't continue to work on a relationship with Jesus, we're never going to be able to glorify God. That's not something that happens between 9 and 10 o'clock on Sunday morning only. It's not something that, well, I'll throw in an occasional Wednesday night or a Sunday night. They were with Jesus daily, and that's what we are called to do. The second big takeaway from Acts chapter 4 comes in verse 29. This is after they had been threatened and they were released. They come together and they're singing and they're praying. And verse 29 says, Now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Do you hear what they didn't ask for? You know what they didn't ask for? They didn't say, God, will you please make it easier for us? They didn't say, this is way too tough. We don't hear anything about, God, will you please annihilate and humiliate our enemies? It doesn't say, just pave the road ahead and make it, let us just coast all the way. They say, Jesus, give us boldness. Give us boldness to continue to go into the temple. They were told to leave, and instead they go back and they pray, and they praise God, and they say, God, make us strong. Let us not be afraid. May that be our prayer this morning. Don't let us be afraid to talk about Jesus, to live out Jesus, to show love over hatred, to walk into your workplace that's filled with people who are angry and upset and say, let me tell you about Jesus crucified and risen again. He changes everything. They call to God and plead for boldness. And the last takeaway we have from Acts chapter 4 is what's going to take place after their prayer. You know, it's interesting that, that, that they pray for boldness. And God is going to answer it but maybe in a way a little different than what we expected. I want to read verse 31 again. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. Okay, so can you imagine this? Okay, imagine that it happens right here, right now. The Spirit comes in, and we are filled with Him, and we're filled with His power. And we're all together, and we begin to speak the Word of God boldly. What's going to happen next? Okay, so, so one of us just healed a lame man, and the Holy Spirit's coming on us. What's going to happen next? Can you imagine? Like, let's run out to Lee Regional and just go door to door, and boom, heal everybody in there. Like, before we get there though, let's take Dal Paso because there's a cemetery right out there. Let's go there and let's just start raising people from the dead, filled with the Holy Spirit. What do you think God called His people to do? What amazing act happened when they were all filled with grace? 
You know what happens next? They have compassion for each other. And they sell their things and they give to the needy. No. Well, that just doesn't sound quite miraculous. I mean, a little weird, a little strange, certainly countercultural. But I want to challenge you to think that the Holy Spirit is not simply this, this power given to you to do all these crazy, miraculous things that people look at you and say, Ooh, wow, that's great. What if being filled with the Holy Spirit causes you to look at your neighbor and to love them? To make eye contact with them, to talk with them, to share with them about Jesus, to share your stuff with them. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's just, it's not about jumping around and dancing and healings. The Holy Spirit causes us to have compassion. Why is that? Because God is a compassionate God. He's the God who sent His Son. And if you want to know anything that marked the ministry of Jesus, read the Gospels over and over and over again. Jesus shows compassion. The woman caught in adultery. The Samaritan woman at the well who's a dog who's been married five different times and the guy she's living with now is not her husband. He had compassion on her. Nicodemus, the rich man, he showed compassion as he welcomed him into the house at night. Over and over again, Jesus shows compassion. And if we want to follow Jesus and if we want to cry out for the Holy Spirit to work powerfully, don't reach for the box of miracles. Instead, allow Jesus to transform your heart. Let your eyes see people not as a different race, not as a different color, not as a different uh, type of demographic or a political party. Don't say, well, you know, they're this kind of people or they're that kind of people. They're Philadelphia Eagles fans. Look at people the way Jesus looked at people. That's how the Holy Spirit is going to work in Hobbs, New Mexico this week. As we look out into people and we show compassion and we share and we love them. Maybe you're still thinking that Christianity is about following rules and doing what you're told and being careful little eyes what you see. And while there is a call to obedience, we are also called to follow the Savior who loves. If you've missed that on that, if your heart has become cold and you've become calloused, I want to encourage you this morning. Allow the Holy Spirit to continue to fill you up so that you may share Jesus with this world. And I want to encourage you to do that as we stand and sing.